Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Good morning. I am so glad to be in second service. Uh, We shall forevermore name the first service of this Sunday the Noah Experience. You may think you needed a parking lot. You needed a dock. It was raining sideways in sheets. I had other business in the area yesterday during the day, so I spent the night uh, in a hotel last night. And when I looked out at 7 o'clock, It was raining like a lot. It was a rainstorm of biblical proportions. (laughs) Amen. I felt like the pastor of the story and sort of lighthearted story during one of our hurricanes that announced he was going to have church anyway. So he was standing in the door waiting for someone to show up. And finally, this guy way over in the corner slowly was making his way toward the church, all bent over. The pastor said, how did you get here? He said, backstroke. (laughs) It's kind of the way I felt this morning, pastor. (laughs) I thought I was going to have to leave my car and backstroke. But what a great day, amen? We are all here. And we can worship the Lord together. Praise God for his goodness. Go with me to Romans chapter 13. I want to mention something according to God's view. May I just take these off? God's view of debt. There are only two or three mentions of debt in all of scripture. The debt that we owed that Jesus paid for us. That we are to forgive our debtors. And we are to forgive those that we are in debt to because God forgave our debt of sin in eternity. But the instructional passage is found in Romans 13, starting to read at verse 6, 8. Verse 8. Let no debt, hallelujah, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Join me in just a moment of prayer, would you? Heavenly Father, gracious provider, we are so grateful for the demonstration of your faithfulness to this congregation, to this pastor, to the leaders of this church, of your faithfulness and of your continuing support for your vision and for your movement among those who will follow you in kingdom work. So we thank you for providing so that the debt outstanding on this facility is now canceled in your name and for your glory. I thank you for it, Lord. And we rejoice in you and your provision. Now I pray that you would help me share in these few minutes your purpose for the elimination of debt 
and for the forward motion of financial support in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. Help me now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Debt is not a big mention in Scripture, but it is a huge truth in our spiritual walk with the Lord. Without His faithful paying of our debt to the Father, we would not be saved today. And that is a marvelous, marvelous truth in the kingdom. The Lord, as only the Lord can, uses that truth to illustrate the power of what is happening here at this church this morning. At verse 8, the first phrase is the one we put on the certificate today. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. Why would that be God's opinion? Well, firstly, he is giving his own testimony. Without him paying the outstanding debt that we had to the Father, we would not be saved. We could only be condemned. But he paid our debt. Hallelujah. We owed, to quote the old chorus, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. That is God's nature. He redeems his creation. He created us. And this morning, we are illustrating the truth that God did the right thing in paying our debt. And he wants everyone to understand that he is happy. He is glad that he paid our debt. Secondly, debt is a great servant, but it's a horrible master. If you leave debt outstanding, it will grow to the point where you cannot control it. But if you keep it under control, as your pastor and leadership has done, it will serve you. Now, often people come into my office and with tears beg us to help them extend a debt they've had for 20, 25, or 30 years. And at that point, the interest penalty payments on that debt are overwhelming. But your pastor led you to clear the debt on this building in less than eight years of its occurrence. Praise God. Amen. Pastor, that'd make a preacher shout. Amen. I want you to know you are exemplifying and giving evidence to God's attitude toward debt in this world. Use it, but make sure you keep it under control. And that's exactly what your pastor and leadership has done. Today, you do not have to worry about what's going to happen in the future. If I want to get discouraged, 
I get out some economic magazines and begin to read the prognostications over the next 10 to 15 years. It is absolutely scary. But you don't have to worry about it. If bank interest rates triple, makes no difference to you. <laughs> Double it again, I don't care. You know why? Your debt is not outstanding. Hallelujah. It's paid, canceled, and will never reoccur again. Now, there may come a moment because of the way God's blessing this church that you may need to build again. But I want you to know today your debt is not outstanding. And we lift our hands and our hearts toward God and say, thank you, Lord. You helped us destroy our debt. Praise the Lord. And just as we will stand justified before God at judgment, you could stand before any banker and say, I don't owe you one single penny. Hallelujah. That is the power of a debt not left outstanding. Finally, on this first point, you are clear to use the finances that were going to a profit motive lending institution that does not care one flip the Greek on that is flip. They do not care at all about your mission. They don't care about the lost in Africa. They don't care about the suffering in Oxford. They only cared about a profit from your debt. You can take that money now and put it into true, pure ministry to this community, to this area and to the needs of God's kingdom around the world. That's the power of not having an outstanding debt. I paid my car off. Hallelujah. People ask me all the time where I live. I tell them I have an address in Lakeland, but I live in a Toyota. And in just 200,000 miles, I got that sucker paid off. Amen. I have such a joy to open that door, turn that starter button now. Do all of you miss keys? I just miss a key, you know? There's just something satisfying about putting a key in a keyhole and going, that's just a good feeling. Now you put your foot on the brake, you punch a little button. I don't like buttons. I like keys. <laughs> no matter how you start it, when it's paid for, it just feels better. You offer thanks to God and you watch out for pickup trucks on I-75. Amen. <laughs> R-301. Praise the Lord. Have you noticed that your traffic has gotten heavier and worse? And just let me encourage you. Every time they build a new house in the villages, it means two more cars on your road. I hope that lifts your spirit like it does mine. 
That outstanding debt canceled gives you liberty. It gives you freedom. It gives you absolute glorious relief for the purposes of God in the future. So, amen. Let no debt remain outstanding, and it doesn't. Verse 6, next word after the phrase, except. Sometimes I hate that word. Everything's good, except. You're all paid up, except. From God's point of view, what more could there be? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Again, the first point, theologically, is that God is giving his own testimony. Every time a new baby is born on this planet, God has a continuing debt of love toward that baby because he knows that after that baby reaches the age and intellect of accountability, the sin of its origin will come to play in its life. And the salvation that you have, the salvation that I have will be offered to that baby will be offered to that life. God never cancels his debt of love. It is always continuing because he died for every soul that has ever been born on this planet or ever will be born. There will never be a day when Satan can look at this planet and say, your debt is finished, now I own them all. He knows that Jesus looks at him and says, my debt is always in place and my victory is always available to everyone who needs salvation. That's why we keep giving after our worldly debt is satisfied. Let me be a little more explicit. And I warn you, this is one of the most important moments in the sermon. Therefore, it will be boring. Because the devil doesn't want you to hear this. People who say, we have burned our mortgage. We don't have any more debt. Hallelujah. I don't have to give like I used to. There are several reasons that is untrue. Firstly, tithing is a scriptural teaching, not a mortgage-related teaching. We are to pay tithes because tithes belong to God. My dear wife is in heaven today shouting on streets of gold. But early in our marriage, almost 50 years ago, we made a covenant between each other. We were headed for the mission field. And we decided and pledged and contracted with God that 10% of our income belongs to God forever. And I will tell you that 
throughout our entire marriage and continuing this day, we look at our tithe as the bottom of our giving, not the maximum. And God has been faithful to us for all of these years. I am not trying to give you motivation. I'm telling you the truth in God's point of view. As he was giving his testimony in these statements, you can give your testimony when you continue. You even increase your giving to the Lord. Secondly, your giving, portions of your giving, have been going to those earthly institutions. They didn't care about your ministry or your love for God. They really didn't even care about God's love for you, many of them. The corporations I'm talking about, there are many godly men and women working in the financial corporations and sectors of our land, but they are interested in profit, not in ministry. And so when someone says, I don't have to give anymore because we no longer pay a payment to a bank or a lending institution, what they are saying is, I'd rather give my money to a godless profit motive organization than to give to a God who cared about my soul and still cares about every soul on earth. I don't want to meet the Lord and say, when I finished giving to a bank, I stopped giving. I want to say to him, when we satisfied our debt, I had more to give to you. Hallelujah. And I want to fulfill his testimony in my life and in my living. So, with great love in my heart, if you've thought that you no longer have to give because we've burned the mortgage, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Do not think that way. You do not have less responsibility now. You have more opportunity now. Praise God. You can do more than you've been doing because God can bless in a larger way what we now can offer him in worship and faithfulness. This moment, I see many outreaches to the villages, to Central Florida, to the United States, and to the world through your giving. Not all souls are saved. Not everyone has heard. And not all projects are accomplished. Therefore, God has plans for your future giving. And as we continue to give, the debt of sin on this earth continues to be wiped away. 
I can think of no better way to partner with my Jesus than to give him the money I was giving on a car payment. I was giving on a house payment. I was giving to other things of obligation so that now I can give to him. Where do we find a pattern that supports that? I've already mentioned part of it. And Paul makes it clear in this passage that there is a driving force behind this kind of liberated giving. It is the force of love. The force of love cancels the penalty of the law. It also cancels the burden of the debt. First, I have the opportunity to give more to God himself. Now, I'm an old dog like Daryl. The difference is Daryl doesn't know it. Hallelujah. You know, yeah, we go back a long way. We worked together in the 1970s on youth projects in this district. Uh, one of the simplest ways I can tell you how long it's been since we've been friends is we go back to black hair. Yeah, I'll give you a moment. <laughs> and that has been a minute, I want you to know. But one of the first major programs that we worked together on as youth representatives in this great district was a world's finest chocolate sale. You remember those? Amen. Listen, I sold hundreds of bars of world's famous chocolate, and I ate thousands of bars. <laughs> I paid more into my account than I got from other people, and it was great chocolate. Wonderful almonds, amen. Hershey doesn't know how to put almonds in chocolate. They need to talk to world's finest chocolate. But we worked for months out of every year, for several years, to build and maintain a youth camp in this district because we believed in what happens at youth camp. When I was the district youth director, we continued that when we sold that moth and roach eaten Camp Alifaya. How many of you went to Camp Alifaya? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Amen. If you can imagine a 10 by 12 cinder block cabin with about four windows there, or maybe four windows and a door in July in Peninsula, Florida, no air conditioning, no bathroom facilities in the cabins. You had to walk to a central bathhouse, which was useless because when you walked to it, took a bath, and walked back to your cabin, by the time you got to the cabin, you needed another bath. So why would we work so hard on such a camp? Because Monday night... Our evangelists preached the gospel and kids came to the altar 
and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And that happened on Tuesday night. It happened on Wednesday night. It happened on Thursday night and in the early days when we didn't go home until Saturday. Friday night was the big salvation Holy Ghost baptism night. And we saw thousands of teenagers saved, filled with the baptism and called to ministry around that altar. And then in the spring, when whoever was decapped then, District CA president, would say, we got to sell more chocolate. We were glad to sell that chocolate. Even those of us, maybe the first time we did it, and we put all the chocolate in the trunk of our cars. You didn't do that twice. No, sir. For several weeks, I had the largest chocolate sundae in Florida right over my rear axle. And I called David Lee and said, what are we going to do? And he said, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> and you know what the Lord provided? The first reason of love is that with this released money, you can offer more people the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's why we have youth ministry. That's why we have children's church. That's why we have Royal Rangers and girls' ministries, men's ministries, and women's ministries. Simply because we love the lost. And because of that, we will keep giving. Except for the continuing debt of love. Secondly, we see the needs around us. We live in possibly the most prosperous nation in history. And we still have hungry people around us. We have people who can't clothe their families. And we should not be judgmental about that. We should do everything we can to help them. And now we will have more money to do that with. Not only that, but you've probably noticed if you've lived longer than a year on this peninsula, fairly regularly, hurricanes give us a visit. And a few tornadoes now and then. And with an expanded reserve financially, we have opportunities to help. The Assemblies of God has an organization called Convoy of Hope. We owe them a tremendous debt. They've got our responses worked down to a science. They park at least six fully loaded semi-trailers in North Orlando and sit there when a hurricane is headed our way until that hurricane makes landfall. Within three hours of landfall, they have those semis rolling and by dawn or by six hours later, they are on scene ministering to those sometimes who have lost everything. As a matter of fact, FEMA will often now come on site at our places and say, where is Convoy of Hope? We will just sit up next to them. On average, we beat FEMA by 48 hours. 
in hurricanes, we beat FEMA by 12 hours. We are on site first and we are on site for ministry. All of our church, all of our trucks say convoy of hope. And down at the bottom of the trailer, it said, it says donated by the youth of the Assemblies of God through Speed the Light for the glory of God and the work of Jesus Christ. That is what I want to give to. I'm telling you, I don't want to give any more money to those who are just trying to make a profit. I want to give money to organizations that's trying to make a difference for God and for his program. I give because I love God. I give because I love those around me who are in need. And I give because there are still lost nations in this world. It's sometimes hard for me to stop and think. There are nations. There are segments of nations who still have not had a credible witness of Jesus Christ in their native language. Yet, here in America where we've got gospel radio stations everywhere on the dial, gospel television networks on our TV cable systems, it's hard for us to comprehend that in northern Korea, it is illegal on pain of death to try to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. But we have missionaries who commute into some of those nations and offer witness of Jesus to people who would not hear under any other circumstance. That's who I want to support. That's who I want to give to. We've got 121 nations on this planet where Western missionaries can reside. We have our missionaries in 121 of those nations. Of the nations where missionaries cannot reside. We have missionaries close by in a neighboring nation or a nation not far away who commute on three-month visas to stay in temporary residences at peril of prison or life killed incidences. And they go into those countries and for three months risk their lives to preach the gospel and share literature that will lead someone to Jesus. I want you to know, I don't want to stop giving. I want to keep giving. Not only do I want to keep giving, I want to increase my giving. October is budget time in, in our district office. And the first item I look at is my giving. And that's what I increase. Then I decide the other blanks in my personal budget on the district salary. I want you to know today that love is the reason there is a continuing opportunity from God's point of view to give. This day, don't think about an opportunity to stop giving. Think about an opportunity to increase giving. We are released from earth's obligation, but we are indebted to eternity's obligation. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. 
I want to worship you with my lips, with my heart, and with my finances. I want to accept the challenge of the exception to keep giving. So this day, I rejoice with you. What a great and wonderful moment. You've done a tremendous job, Pastor. Thank you for your faithfulness. And God has done a tremendous job. Thank him for his faithfulness. But, amen. That's a good moment for thanks. And I'm grateful. I'm the son of a minister and the grandson of a minister, the great-grandson of a minister, and the great-great-grandson of a ministry. Minister, I've heard a few sermons. But this day, this day, I am more grateful to be able to give than ever before in my life. Because I have lived long enough to see the results of my giving. On one of our first Bible quiz teams, a program that teaches teenagers to learn and memorize scripture and then compete with one another as to how much they've learned and how fast they can recall it. A young man named Mario Duquet came off the streets of Miami to Evangel Temple, Assembly of God. There they helped him, helped him buy some clothes, helped him have an opportunity for a regular bath. They helped him. And as a result, his amazing intellect was discovered. He became the number one male quizzer in our district for a couple of years in his high school time. He won a scholarship and went to college. And out of college, he took a master's in missiology and became an appointed missionary to the poor of America. He started a program that now offers finances, food, clothing, and medical care to poor communities throughout this continent. He just finished his doctorate, the initiative of the Holy Spirit in ministering to the poor. Dr. Duquet was a street kid that happened to stumble into one of our churches. I want to give to that youth ministry. I want to give to that young man who has developed into an effective missionary. I want to give to the things that God keeps providing. So we celebrate with you today. God bless you and God prosper you. But we also leave you with this reality. There is a continuing debt. It's not to lending institutions. It's to our God who loved us before we were lovable, who gave himself to pay our debt before we loved him, and who continues to bless us this day. We want to be like that. And we will be as your heart continues to love him and give for the things he loves. Father, I am grateful today for your goodness and mercy. 
Lord, there have been a few times in my life I've been without money, but I've never been poor. For you have supplied above and beyond, over and more than my needs. And I thank you this day for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness to this great congregation led by this great pastor. And I pray the continuing blessings stored up in your storehouses for this church and this area. I pray they be multiplied as we move forward into your future, your plan, your vision for this great church. Continue to prosper them. Supply their every need, I ask, Heavenly Father. Protect them from the pestilence that is in our land. Be with them every day. And for those who need your healing touch, provide it quickly and restore them to perfect health and strength for your glory because you continue to love us. And Lord, I pray that you prosper the giving that will continue here. I ask you for it in Jesus' name for your plan to redeem earth. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.